0: Cats podcast, podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You throw down $1 on an NBA game, and that team wins. You get $150 in free plays. That simple, that easy. With John Schuster, I'm nearly Mike Luke. The new and shaved Mike Luke, the one who can now actually feel his uh, feel his face in public. That doesn't sound right. We also have a very special guest, William Brad Alice. Hello there, William.
1: Hey, fellas. What's going on?
0: Not too much. We got a lot to get to out there. We already got, 12, looks like we already got about 10 comments in here. Guys, we're going to get to you. But first and foremost, I want to get to the two experts, the two guys that I've uh, grown up listening to. That's more of a comment on your guys' age than my expertise. So let's talk about it a little bit here. First and foremost, first and Sarah Beth Grier, gotcha for there. Pretty sure I'm right on that one. Thank you for hopping on here as well. All right. Uh, Shoe, Brad, hop on it. We're going to go with Brad first. Brad, we haven't had you on here in a little while. Tell me a little bit about this team and just what impresses you so much, especially in this blowout we saw tonight.
1: I think that's just it. This team doesn't have letdowns. Um, you know, you were kind of joking on the uh, uh, Twitter early in the game. You're like, oh, m- you know, may- maybe Jason has it right with a, a close game. And that bad streak lasted about eight minutes or whatever it was. Uh, What are they on a nine game win streak? And they've had two single digit wins. And one of those was by nine to uh, USC. The other one was a close hard fought win over a pretty good Oregon team. They just blow people out. So when they have a bad half, that's all it is. And it's usually not even half. It's usually a quarter of a, of a, of a game. They just go out, they beat people, and they go on those runs. And we saw it today, they open up 8 nothing. suddenly they're down. Next thing you know, they're up uh, double figures, and they're, and they're coasting. Uh, well, they even yeah. turn the ball over, and, and they're still up 24 early in the second.
0: Remember, I want to get back to the 87-88 point that Shoe's been making for a little while here, and I want to get your uh, take on that as well. But Shoe, again, this was a game, too, that just like Brad said, I was tweeting out and I was saying to uh, – uh, uh, Jason Shearer was saying to me before the game, he'd like Utah with the 11 and a half. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, rowdy atmosphere, Utah crowd is going, everything looks good for him. And oh yeah, by the way, um, it goes from being Arizona down one to Arizona up 14. And this seems like a repeat, like we could do the same exact post game show every single time. We wouldn't because we have all kinds <laughs> of incredible uh, uh Viewers right here where read all your comments, but it feels like this is something we're talking about game in and game out, too.
2: And it is something we're talking about game in and game out. But one of the things that impressed me uh, tonight was that Tommy Lloyd made big points in the locker room this evening. Not that he necessarily had to do it, but he did. Someone on that bench let him know that Carissa was one rebound away from a triple-double. They didn't need to put him back into the game, but the awareness of having an opportunity to try to make something like that happen uh, goes a long way toward garnering even additional chemistry. And I think that is something that's a short-term gain with long-term investment possibilities as well. So, uh, in terms what do you of, mean by uh, that? Expand on that a little bit, Shu. In, in, in terms of getting individual accolades, that was a nice thing to say, but it's one of those things, I think, where if you're a player recruiting the program and recruiting other people who might want to come to the program, whether it's from a high school level, overseas, or via the transfer portal, getting the word that there's a legitimate players coach out there who's got your back And when special and allows you to play, I think goes a long way uh, toward uh, maybe if you're on the fence trying to determine what team you're ultimately looking at going for. I don't think Tommy Lloyd hurt himself tonight by doing something that was very simple in a game that on the schedule meant basically absolutely nothing. Could have been a trap game. Colorado coming up on the weekend has to win. So they're going to bring Arizona's best shot. The Cats just uh, got uh, through a difficult Oregon game where they were completely trained. Could have turned in a flat performance tonight. And in the midst of all of that, when a lot of stuff didn't matter, a polarizing point guard from Estonia became the answer to a new trivia question about getting the first Wildcat to get a triple-double since uh, uh, Andre Iguodala did it in 2004. Now, if you had that one on the DraftKings Sports app, that would have been pretty darn impressive but uh those are not occurrences that take place on a regular basis but Lloyd and his coaching staff was aware of it uh when it ultimately uh when the opportunity was there and he was able to take advantage of it and even though i guess you could question you know the legitimacy of that final rebound if it holds then you've got a guy who got a triple double and that's pretty cool at the college level
0: yeah i mean it's something that i think is really that simple now let's get to some of these questions right here a lot of people are saying Who's the guy in the left hand corner? That would be Mike Luke. All right. A lot of you haven't seen me since we've gone live. I, this is a, I shaved the beard for the first time in about two years. And, um, yeah, by the way, I feel very good that I did it. I'm a little chapped across the face. Uh, I didn't realize that it would be that difficult, but you know what? This is generally what I look at and you know what? I go back to looking 12 right now. So mom, if you're listening right now, if you're watching right now, you're probably happy.
2: Additionally than that, Mike, you also finally look like the damn DraftKings animated emoji thumbnail thingy that they've been. Uh, there was a guy in the media about darn time. There was a
0: guy in the media that made a pretty funny point. He said, "Now that you've shaved your face, you now should have the beard uh, on your emoji," which I think would actually. I,
1: I did it in Photoshop for you, Mike, when you originally uh, got the
0: gig. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean that's what we can do, and you know what, we can go back to that. But let's get, let's stay on the game here for a second. Kirk Riza. Tommy Lloyd has been talking about him all day, or not all day, but game in, game out. He's been saying, and uh, Robbie, to answer your question, uh, yes, but it feels like it's breathing now. Um, he, Tommy Lloyd's been saying, you know what? I don't care what his percentages are. He's going to start making shots, and you know what? If people want to play off of him, they're a lot, uh, they're a lot uh, ballsier. He didn't say ballsier than I am, but that was basically his uh, his mo. When you watch Kreese shoot the ball, and I think this is what we're talking about pretty much game in and game out, fellas, it looks good. Even the shots that don't go in, and there's been a lot of crazy shots, Brad, when the ball leaps his hand, it looks good. The forms appear, and I think this may – hopefully this was his coming out party.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think his coming out party was the – if it wasn't uh, blowing kisses to whatever <laughs> fan base it was – It was probably nailing the big three-point shot uh, late against Oregon. I think that was the coming-up party. Uh, Today might just be kind of the culmination, uh, where he kind of put it all together. What was he? Six of seven in the first half, including that near uh, half-court shot. Uh, When you throw in the the triple-double, or we'll find out if it's going to be an official triple-double. When you throw in the fact that he just played a nice game. Um, People have already been talking about him because he's kind of this team's Danny Ainge. Uh, but uh, yeah, if he can become this team's, well, for, for lack of a better word, Steve Kerr, uh, then that can go a long way. And further propelling a team that's already pretty spectacular to even new heights, as I was kind of joking with someone, it sure seems like he's either going to hit the game winner in the national championship game where he's going to make the bonehead uh, play that's going to cost him a tournament game. And, um, you know, you never know with him. That's what makes him interesting and maddening, and a, a lot of fun if you're if you're an Arizona fan. And I can understand why the rest of the Pac-12 kind of uh, uh, can't stand the guy.
0: She, she what what is what is your thought? And we've talked a lot about it. And I've probably been a little bit more a little harder on him than I probably should have. But what are your thoughts on Kreisa? Just watching him and watching what you saw today.
2: I think Kreisa actually likes playing at the college level. I think he likes being at the U of A. I think he embraces the opportunity that he has. He's having fun. He's bold. He's brash. And if he's Danny Ainge for Arizona, that's fine by me. He doesn't have to be Steve Curry. it can be Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Well, that'll be all right. Constantly competed and just figured out ways to win. Fine by me. Tonight, thought it was a very interesting game, too. If you're like Brad Alice or Mike Luke, certainly never like John Schuster in pickup games. Uh, All you're doing after you get hot from three-point range And let's make no mistake, if you're Brad Allison, Mike Luke, you're hot from three-point range all the time. All the the time. You come in hot. What happens when you come in hot is that you just keep jacking. You know, hey, I just made six in a row, so what if I just, if the other 62 didn't go in, that next one's going in, and damn it, I'm taking it because I hit six in a row at one point. in the second half, took, what, one three-pointer? Right, uh, And then, so so somewhere along the line, instead of just jacking up in a game where he could have because Arizona was in control, he then decided to try to distribute and uh, was very effective in that regard as well. I don't think he necessarily went into this game thinking, you know what I'm going to do in the second half? I'm going to try to uh, uh, compile a bunch of assists and see what I, I can do with my powerhouse rebounding numbers uh, to work on that uh, legendary elusive Wildcat triple-double. But uh, I think... I, He was not not only was he in rhythm tonight, but in the second half, he was smart tonight, too. And he's that type of personality that you would figure, all right, he's just he he just he just drained seven in a row. He's going to shoot another 15 because he thinks he's hot and he's kind of. No, he was smart this evening and and it didn't hurt Arizona, obviously, at all. And that's an aspect that I like to see offensively. He's shooting them in rhythm. If they give it to him, it works. Utah tried a strategy there a woefully undermanned team with size and talent issues at this stage even though i really like their coach and mm-hmm. i think i think that's a program that's moving in a good direction uh but but right now they're just they they just don't have the personnel and their scouting report was try to force it on the inside and hope arizona misses and creisa didn't miss and know? i think occasionally it's a strategy arizona's going to see from here on out but it helps when creisa gets open looks shoots them in rhythm and makes them Brad, what do you think
0: about Ricky Garrett's point right here? Because I agree with him here, where he says Crease has matured since UCLA. For me, and we talked about this a little bit in the post-game last game. To me, he's he is he just looks more steady out there. He doesn't look quite as erratic. He looks more fluid, even if he's not making the shot. He gives me, at least from my my sofa seat, he gives me a little bit more confidence than at least I had earlier in the season. You see that or no?
1: Yeah, and I wonder how much of that's maturing and how much of that is just... Remember, he missed most of last season. Uh, He had a long time without playing in competitive basketball games. Then he has to translate to a new offense, a new position, and how much of it is just him getting a good feel for things. And maybe that is maturing. I don't know. But certainly... I think the other thing that's good about this team with maybe the exception uh, of Matherin, no one really has to get theirs. And I think Creason was probably like, yeah, I had my half. Let, let's get everyone else involved even more and, and, and take what, you know, take what's comes to them. And, and maybe that's maturity, but what every starter and double figures. I mean, if, I'm not sure what the final numbers were. It sure looks like the starting lineup shot about 60% and uh the bench players shot about what 30. But uh Carissa, yeah, I think I think this is a team that is generally happy getting everyone involved and, and and kind of I think I think maybe there's some perverse pleasure for this team looking at that stat sheet and seeing a bunch of uh double digit numbers as opposed to uh a couple twos. Um, and then right. a bunch of a bunch of single digit numbers.
0: Brad, there's a lot of people have asked the question about 87, 88, and I want to get to that in just a second. Uh, Schuster's brought that up as well. One thing though that we got to tell you all about right now is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Here's the deal: throw down one dollar on an NBA game, and if that team wins, you get 150 dollars in free plays. Very simple, very easy. By the way, everybody's asking where Mike Luke went. We don't know where Mike Luke went. Um, we're looking for him though. All right. John Schuster says it's not who you bet for in the DraftKings sports book, it's who you bet against. Bet against the Detroit Pistons. That's or what don't, she-
2: Or don't, because that didn't go so well tonight. I was uh, going to say. But somebody also did bet on the Wildcats. So that, that right. part was okay. It,
0: it, it's that simple, that easy. Eligibility restrictions apply 21 and up, Arizona only. You got a gambling problem, call 1 800 next step. They'll get you all taken care of. All right, William. Brad has been, or not Brad, uh, shu has been talking about this, and I love this uh, Love this idea. He's been talking about this team in the 87-88 type uh, mold. And you know what, Shu? I don't want to speak for you here because it's your thought. You lived it. You guys lived it. Tell Brad you two go back and forth a little bit here
2: sure hey brad how are Not you it's nice to see you. Man. wow it's really good uh the gist of it is brad uh and and you can look at this from a position to position standpoint if you want but i tend to look this at, uh, on a more grander scheme you have two pro the sim the general similarities here are time frame you have two programs at different points in time that kind of were working through dark ages for different reasons obviously uh the tail end of the Fred Snowden period, the one year with Ben Lindsay, and then Olson took about three years for Arizona to get on track. And by year four, the 88 team exploded onto the scene, and it was the beginning of what we have come to enjoy as now coming up on 35 years of really good basketball uh, and a program that is a brand on the national stage with a chance to be consistently a top-10 program. That all started in 1988 after a dark ages period uh, for the program. Miller, because of the sanctions, goes through a bit of a dark ages period at Arizona as well. Lloyd uh, propels himself onto the scene in the first year. And even though it's Miller's players, uh, Arizona looks like they are the train at the end of the tunnel, not the light at the end of the tunnel. And they're rolling over everybody just like 88 did. In in 88, the Cats won, I think, t- 22 games by 19 points or more of right. some obnoxious number like that. Uh, And this team is uh, playing at a very similar level. When they go up against inferior competition, they dominate and they've been able to beat good teams as well with a style that was very similar uh, to what we saw in that period of time. So to me, the two campaigns feel a little bit like a Renaissance for Arizona basketball. And if we're onto a second Renaissance here, that's good news for Wildcat fans and hopefully the program.
0: One thing that's real, and Brad, then I'll, I'll uh, seed the see the, see the court or the field, however you want to look at it, is when you and Schuster and I have been talking about this, when you play games like that and you destroy people, it really uh, it really helps you come NCA tournament time. Because, again, you play less games. And I think back to that 87-88 team, when they played uh, North Carolina in the Elite Eight, that was a blowout, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the kind of stuff you're looking for, Brad.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've... I'm trying to remember the amount of, and again I was a freshman in high school for that team um but if you think about it yeah they had the weird loss to Stanford um mm. which I think was the lone Pac-12 loss I think they yeah. had what they had one other regular season loss at New Mexico I think it was right um and that you know again that's when the pit was the pit um and then they didn't struggle again until they faced Oklahoma I mean they rolled to the NCAA tournament what they I think they beat Cornell by about 147. Um, you know, they really didn't. Yeah, they 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 destroyed uh, Carolina. I mean, it was close for what a half, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tolbert hits the two acrobatic shots. I think when you talk style and you talk what they're doing, yeah, there's some similarities. Um, that was a very experienced team. This is a fairly young team. Uh, this is a much bigger team. Remember on, on that one. Cook was maybe six, nine hmm. uh, Tolbert was really six, seven, um, you know, Elliot was long, uh, you know, which is very similar. To this team on the wing, uh, you know, you look at uh, the backcourt was pretty big for Arizona and then really they played two combo guards. Kerr was the point guard, but um, he, you know, he was shooting so much. So I think there are a lot of similarities um, it also reminds me of uh, that Derek Williams team when they were going good. Remember, there was a stretch, and, and Shu may remember this, where Arizona, you know, found a rhythm. I think it was in mid-December they were just blowing teams away, and I put the like thirty-seven cents down on the table and said, "I'm buying in." Um, you know, I've, I, we had that moment early in the season too. So I think there are some similarities. College basketball is just so different. I think you can argue that while Arizona experience wise, what I think they have one guy who's played in a tournament game. Right. Uh, But at the end of the day, they're also a bunch of guys who've been in college basketball for two or three years. So they are kind of veteran. And at the same time they're, they're older, but inexperienced, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I I think it's interesting, but if you look at all the Arizona teams that have made those runs, style wise yeah i think maybe the only other team you could think of is that 03 team which was was pretty long and athletic and and, and made some things happen on the defensive side of the ball when especially when they brought uh what, what Hassan and Andre uh, uh-huh. off the bench but uh even that was a very different team so yeah it's hard to compare to 88 such a special team What they have end up having seven NBA players and a a major league baseball player on that team. But when you look at that, yeah, margin of victory, when you look at offense to defense, when you look at the way they pass the ball and find the open man, there are definitely some similarities.
0: Yeah, and I like the stylistic comparison because, Brad, I think he hit the nail on the head. Obviously, AC or Anthony Cook, since we're going to be uh, specific here for John Schuster, is not as tall as Coloco. Similar type style to Bellis and uh, Tolbert. Similar. Uh, obviously, Ben Matherin is your Elliot. Obviously, he doesn't compare to Elliot, but you know, still he's the best player on the team. He's the best player on the conference. Kerr is Kerr, still not as good. But I do like some of the comparisons. I said this a probably about uh I don't know probably about a month ago and I stand by it and I stand resolute I think this is the best team Arizona's had since 2002 uh 2003 the team that you just brought up right there the Ricky Anderson Luke Walton Salim Stodemeyer uh, Channing Fry this team this team to me is better than the Miller teams they might not be quite as talented but this team just takes your this team doesn't play close games when you look back and say the 13 14 team or, or i can't remember 1450 and they were in Gordon team that game that team still played weird close games and they had losses to bad te- a few losses to bad teams ASU i think uh Oregon State i wanted to say they ended up losing too and uh Brad Malone's on here we're going to get to Brad here in just a second Brad's a good dude um
1: ran but, into Brad at a restaurant just a few days ago so uh right there he's you go reason i'm making my return got to got to keep Brad happy
0: Game recognized game right there. But this team, this team to me is different because this team, if you don't step onto the court, Brad, with the same, with either size or a talent level, you're going to get run. This team just annihilates teams that aren't as talented as them. And that to me is different than say maybe 13, 14.
1: What's crazy about this team is when you consider he inherited a team, patches it together together, with mostly transfers. I mean, yeah, they've got a couple of nice recruits, but those guys are on the bench. They don't play, you know, right. in ball and, and Norrell. It's really well constructed. Right. You've got really five guys that can score in different ways. You've got the glue guy in Dallin Terry. You've got uh, you know, the size where you need it. You got a shot locker, you've got a space eater coming off the bench. You've got a guy in, in Kyer who's uh, kind of versatile, who's also very physically mature, so he can really D up on some of the more physical guards and wings. You kind of got a, a do-it-all guy in Larson. You know, if there was a knock on those two Elite Eight teams uh, of, of Miller, the back-to-back, is you had Aaron Gordon, the one year sort of playing out of position because he wanted to be until, really, until Ashley got hurt. Right. And then the team wasn't as good, and you never quite had the consistent scoring.
0: Uh, that to that me is the difference. Difference. that to me is the problem. Yes, go ahead. Sorry,
1: you didn't have. In fact, in this team, you say who takes the last shot? I got three guys. I think maybe four. I don't know. T- Terry maybe is a stretch, but you tell me Tabellus is taking the. We've seen him do it. You tell me Kerr is going to hit the shot. Yeah, okay. Uh, put the ball in Matherin's hands. Sure. On that team, were you really, you know, Nick Johnson, uh, were you really trusting uh, as, as much as well of TJ McConnell? Is he the guy you really want the bonus? And we saw it. Nick Johnson didn't know the clock in the, in the one game and then got, also got the push off. Um, so I think this team's just really well constructed. And maybe that's just a credit to uh, not only Tommy Lloyd, but the coaching staff as a whole, that they're able to A – Keep the talent they wanted here. I mean, would they want a James Akenjo? Probably. Um, would Jordan, you know, Brown be nice off the bench? I don't know if they really wanted him. But then, when you figure out who you have from last year's team, then you can go pluck a few guys. You know, they were always going to bring Balo in because that was Lloyd's uh, guy. But you know, to get a Pella Larson who has taken a little while to round into form, but pff, nice player. Uh, Kyer is a guy who could start for a lot of teams. Um, You know that's just yeah it's a well constructed team, and again you don't have to just have one guy go off. If Matherin right. scores six points in the in in the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight, this team could still win a game by twelve points.
0: Well, think about the UCLA game when Arizona beat UCLA here in McHale. Matherin was still kind of in the middle of that uh, in the midst of that struggle there, shoe, and you know it didn't really matter because you've got so many different guys that can take the take that next step. One guy though that I think you got to take you got to really look at and I think has become I don't want to say your most consistent player but he's right there game in and game out has been Dalen Terry. Every single game now I basically know that I'm going to probably get about 12 points and that was that's the departure from earlier in the season where a lot of times it would be maybe 5 points but good defense, good as you know, good assisting, great defense, a real feel for the game. Shoot, he's really started to uh to really emerge into that role. And this guy is probably going to make a lot of money sooner than
2: later. And he looks like somebody who's even get, gaining a little bit more confidence on the offensive end, which is nice to see, too. One of the scouting reports, and and Utah, I thought, did kind of an interesting series of things. I thought their scouting efforts were good for a team that was just overwhelmed. Uh, and a couple of things that they did, they played off to Bellis on the outside, and they played off Terry from the outside, thinking, all right, uh, you, you can't let Terry beat you to the rack, because even if he doesn't make the layup, he might be long enough to you know, keep the basketball alive and perhaps lead toward an offensive rebound on the second shot opportunity. So play off him. He also sees the court very well. So there's a lot of defenses that are so, sort of approaching Dalen Terry, like early Luke Walton, play off him a little yeah. bit, make him beat you from the outside. But it looks like in the last two or three games that Lloyd doesn't have a problem with Terry taking the shot. And Terry has developed a certain confidence about it. You know
0: What's weird it, about it, his shot?
2: It's inconsistent, but I think it's improved from a percentage standpoint, and now you don't think that when the shot's going up that there's absolutely no chance. I think you feel a little bit better about the opportunity of Arizona getting a three, and if Terry adds that to his game, you it know what, becomes real difficult to stop him.
0: I was uh, texting during the uh, game with our guy Matty M, and I asked uh, Matt Mulebach to the people that don't know how close we all are here. But and Mulebach and I have been going back and forth right there. Kansas City, baby. I see that. If you know, you know, as the kids say. But um, and I said, what's the difference between Andre Iguodala and uh, Dale and Terry at the same stage? And he said, well, I think uh, he said, I think that Andre Iguodala is more explosive athletically, and I think that's fair. But he, he did like the comparison right there. What's weird to me about Terry is his form is his form still stinks. I get that. But he's got a soft touch. Like, when he's shooting his threes now, the ball kind of rotates around the rim. It's not – and we've seen bad shooters at the U of A. Like, when Asad Adams was shooting a, a three, especially that senior year, I mean, no thanks. You, you knew that he had no chance of going in. With Dalen Terry, it still feels when it hits the rim, Brad, there's a chance it's going to go in.
1: Yeah, Dalen Terry to me is freshman year Andre Gradala. Uh, right now, so I hope he comes back for one more. I don't know if he will. Because, right. frankly, remember the NBA? I keep saying, well, P you only average – NBA do not care what you average. NBA drafts on potential. There's a reason, you know, there's a reason Josh Green went higher uh, than the other guys off of the team two years ago. Um, but I'll tell you the real big thing about t- Terry. is It's just – he's Andre a- Iguodala with a better attitude. Remember, Andre drove a right. wedge in this team. People right. love Andre. Those people weren't here. Or don't remember. Um, he was maddening because he was a guy who freshman year showed glimpses, senior year checked out. And there's some stuff behind the scenes. He, he wasn't a good teammate um, for certain guys, at least on the team. And you can look at who left the team in February. Um, you know, and he and Andre were really close friends. And by the end of the, that season, they didn't like each other because right. Andre had checked out. You know, and, and again, part of me can't blame him. That was a nine seed. They weren't going to win a national title. They were probably talented enough to go the second weekend. But when you combine that with, with you know my favorite player of all time, Slim Stoudemire's crate was crazy that season. I mean, Lute almost kicked him off the team a few times. But Andre wasn't a good guy. wasn't a good teammate. He was – Terry's a great teammate, I think. I mean, I hear nothing else. Because he does the same things Andre does, but isn't worried about the same thing, I think, Andre – was um in many ways the other guy he kind of athletically reminds me of he's probably a better athlete but uh he's everything i hope jamel horn was going to be but he never could be because he was bonkers himself um he just does a little bit of everything and and you know uh, i think a good comparison is from the stat sheet walton although he's a completely different player than walton because he's so much more athletic Right. I mean, he's going to play in the NBA because he's a freak athlete. He's six, seven. He can defend three positions. He can shoot well enough. And he's a guy, I think, when he gets to the NBA and he can shoot 200 jumpers extra a day that you can't in college because you're going to class, is going to develop. Um, but, yeah, my, it, 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 but, yeah. But there is it, definitely an Andre comparison on the court. I think it's the off-the-court stuff that maybe Terry is better than Andre. And what do you
2: got, you? And, And hopefully Iguodala was able to grow up uh, once he got to the NBA because he's had, you know, obviously had a heck of a career and continues to have a heck of a career and made a heck of a lot of money in the process. I'm a believer that there are a number of players on this team who are going to make a lot of money professionally, and Terry's going to make more than all of them in the NBA. I I, I think he's going to be, and, and the attitude helps. Barring injury, barring something that's out of folks' control, Terry's going to be in the league for a heck of a long time. What do you like
0: about Let me ask you this: What do you like more about him projecting to the next level? What do you like more about him than say Ben Matherin?
2: I think he's. Uh, I, I like the length. I like his court vision. I think his athleticism matches with Matherin, and Matherin's explosive. Right. Uh, and if he can develop a shot that's generally okay. I, I, I think, as Brad noted, he can also play three positions on the floor defensively, and that plays at the next level. As, as much as sometimes it feels like an all-star game, guys who can do that and get you into the open floor are nice to have. And his ability to see the floor the way that he does and unselfish, general unselfishness across the board, you guys noted it and continue to note it. I, I think one of the things that became interesting is that Terry's advancement has a lot to do with Terry not expecting maybe to be this good. Uh, so there was, by, yeah, I, I see by, some of that for by sure. The relatively early portion of Iguadala's career, you could tell from an overall athleticism standpoint, uh, that Igwadala had his eyes on the next level almost the second that he got to the U of A campus. Terry, on the other hand, almost seems happy to be here and still trying to learn and figure it out. And then somewhere along the line, about six weeks ago, it's like, whoa, this guy's got skills. And right. this guy can really develop, and now we're not talking about a guy who may be near next year. There's a possibility he could actually be in the league next year. And I think I'm I'm not sure, sure that hasn't surprised Terry, perhaps as it surprised everybody else. And so, hey, the unselfishness thing has worked to this point. Why not keep doing it? It's been good news for Arizona up to this stage. It might as well continue to be.
0: Here's what we're about here on the AZ Wildcats podcast. We're about making you money. That's called being unselfish. Here's how you make money. You hop on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Throw down $1 in an NBA game. Get $150 in free plays if that team wins. Now, John Schuster has been saying for a couple of weeks now, bet against the Pistons. <laughs> this has been sound advice until today, until the last couple of games. Yes, yes, In- it's, it's, today. Yes, it's been sound advice. Otherwise, you know, it, uh, um, it's whatever. I'm I'm gonna mangle that DraftKings sportsbook app code word PHNX. As Chico uh, Marietta said, money, money, money. That's what we're about making here. All right, now. Before we let everybody go let's talk let's move around the conference here a little bit here. Now Brad, I wanted to get your take on the uh, the maddening team that is the uh, the Oregon Ducks to absolutely nobody's surprise they beat UCLA tonight and I'm sure they'll probably beat UCLA or USC Saturday and then they will probably lose to Washington <laughs> the following week. We've watched a lot of hoop this season. The only team that I really thought, and I, and that's not really fair, USC is in, in that mix as well, but Oregon's the only team that I've seen that really looked like they had the players, the athleticism, the length, the quickness to go toe-to-toe with Arizona. And I think that's why that's such a weird team, but it also goes to show you, too, the difference between Oregon and that they found ways to lose that game in McHale at the end Arizona found ways to win that game. And I think that's obviously the difference that's going on right now.
1: I think there's two things that perplex me about Oregon. One is their effort level. They don't show up for games, right. which is weird for Oregon and Dana Altman. Right, And two, their basketball IQ, I don't think is very good.
0: It's, it's very low.
1: And Just look at the final play against Arizona. They needed a three. He tried to head fake Coloco, and then he drove into the teeth, and he wasn't looking to dish. He tried to shoot with one second left in a three-point game. Uh, He got blocked, but before that, he – I mean, either he had no clue or he just got caught, And, and maybe it's a combination, but, I mean, how many times have we seen Oregon make that big play in the final minute against Arizona? Yeah. Seems like every time. Um, just go down the list of of Oregon guards making big plays, you know, uh, and 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 they couldn't. And it's weird seeing this from a Dana Altman team. If you had told me this was a Steve, they look like a Steve Alford team. Is what they look like, right? Um, except they're maybe better
0: constructed. But
1: yeah, I can't figure it out. Um,
0: we do expect just, them to beat USC on Saturday, right?
1: I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> this. This is a, I mean, for, for really, this is this, this USC team generally kind of sort
2: of takes care of business more. They won often in than double not. overtime, by the I way. I saw tonight. that.
1: Yeah. Right. Which I know helps Arizona in some regards. It also meant that Arizona doesn't get to share, uh, at least share the title tonight. But um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, that to, that to me is a toss up game. Yeah. Uh, Oregon needs it more because I think they can still play their way into the tournament and, and getting that win. I think Renardi
0: says if they win, they're basically in. If they beat USC, so. I think
1: that's fair. I think they probably still have to to grab one, at least one in Vegas. But uh, no, so I have no idea with this team. But uh, which is weird to say because usually the one guy you can count on to put that consistent product, whatever you know that level is, is 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 your Crete boy. Dana Altman. I mean, if they're going to be an 18 and 10 team, they're going to play 18 and 10 basketball all year. Uh, They're not going to be as up and down as this team has been, which, yeah, again, to me is the weird part about it. That and when you throw in kind of that lack of, of basketball IQ, I think what really happened is I think. It took a decade, but the transfer game finally got to him, and he didn't get all the
2: pieces right for once or couldn't make them all gel for once. Which is sort um, of ironic to some degree in that he's the master of what college basketball, I think, is going to be. And so being ahead of the transfer portal, uh, this is, I think, what you can expect for a lot of teams, and even great coaches like Dana Altman struggle sometimes. Oregon looks to me like a rocket ship mired in a tar pit. They, You just know that... <laughs> You just, you just know that they're going to launch their way to the stratosphere, and then they get stuck in the muck, and, 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 and it's just back to ground level. Uh, they are, they're also not good in pressure situations, and I think it's something that, Mike, that's something that you talked about. If you watch teams late in game pressure them, they don't handle it very well. They and you would four, think they do because they, they got have, a lot of guards. They have a lot of guards and a lot of ball handles. But, but they, they don't, don't have really that good. guy this year. Yeah. They don't they, have Peyton Pritchard. They don't have Dylan yeah. Brooke. They don't have Chris that, or...
0: that guy. Yeah, well,
2: and those are great points, and, and, and it feels that way. They've got some guys who can score. They've got some guys who at position should be the next up to make that happen, and it just hasn't happened. They can't get open on inbounds plays. They turn the ball over when they're pressed. Uh, UCLA tonight. And, and 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 let's not get too revisionist history here. It took us about a month to recognize how good Arizona potentially was going to be. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, from a conference standpoint, we thought UCLA was going to win the Pac-12. And UCLA's still really good, and you still can't kill them. Even tonight, they were without Juzang for most of the game, who sprained his ankle, and we don't know how long-term that is. And then they lost... Um, Hawkes to foul trouble in the last five minutes and still had opportunities to win the game when they had no business doing that. They're a tough, physical, gritty veteran team that stays around. And Oregon is a ridiculously athletic team that can't get out of its own way. And so who knows what that's going to be in the in the tournament. By the way, Lenardi is nuts. And 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 thankfully, Bill Walton, who is equally or more nuts, in Bill Walton called him out on it tonight. Oregon is an 11-win team in a Power 5 conference. If they were an 11-win team in any other Power 5 conference in some mid-majors, they'd be firmly in the field, even with two losses to ASU, even with a bad home loss to California. Why Lenardi struggles with Oregon and by proxy struggles with this conference is utterly baffling to me, but it's clear. It sounded like he thought Oregon still had to jump through hoops to get into the NCAA tournament, and that's just that. That to me, and and I thought Dave Pasch said something really interesting in the ESPN broadcast tonight as well. He said I was at the Michigan State game, and Michigan State's firmly in the tournament, uh, and I'm and, and I've seen Oregon a bunch of times. Oregon's a better basketball team, and he's right. They're maddening. They're nuts they're crazy they frustrate altman and everybody else but how oregon is not in this field and not considered in this field and is somehow a bubble team is an absolute travesty just based on if you want the best teams to have an opportunity to play in this thing
0: all right everyone before we sign off i want to give you a little bit of an update on bruno all right as you know i was up in fort collins colorado um very nice people up there, by the way. They were very kind to me. Bruno got Bruno had his five days of radiation. He's doing very well. He doesn't want to come over. He's currently snoring in the corner. I actually <laughs> heard him just pass gas about six minutes ago, so he's feeling good. But uh, Bruno's doing very well. Everybody out there, thank you for asking about it. Um, before we let you go, two things. William, appreciate you hopping on. You always have an open invite, so you should hop on more, and the microphone is sexy.
1: Okay, well, one. yeah, I, I, I used some of the uh, old man birthday money from the mother-in-law to get the new mic because I know uh, your, your fans were, were clamoring They want for you it. all.
0: They want more, Brad. Not and that, Brad. honestly,
1: the reason I've been on, I haven't watched an Arizona basketball game live in about three weeks. For those of you who don't know, between having twins uh, and coaching every youth sporting team, uh, I haven't seen a game, especially on a Saturday. Uh, I, and yeah, I, you're I, playing I, hockey. And I'm playing hockey, so when you throw those all in together, um, a lot of those games start during practice. Hey, I am six one and one as a vo- first time volleyball coach.
2: You're Dave six Rubio, one?
1: six one and one. Oh, uh, so Dave Rubio, watch out. Uh, but yeah, this is the first game I've seen live in in, a, in about three weeks, and so I thought between new Mike and and, and actually getting to be on when you're on, yeah, uh, I, I, I like it. Now you just have to excuse the fact that I'm hiding in my
0: laundry room. Brad, nobody cares. Nobody cares about any of that. I tried like to hang up my Chiefs flag for you all, but I was in a La Quinta work. for the longest time. Nobody cares. By the, the way, the... quality, quality, quality. The is. La Quinta is not a sponsor, are they? The... What's that? They're not a sponsor, though. No, they're not. The La Quinta in Albuquerque was less than impressive. The one in
1: Albuquerque is four... less than impressive. <laughs>
0: Albuquerque is really, and I'm sorry if anybody out there is from Albuquerque, it's a poor man's Tucson, but a very poor man's Tucson. Have you
1: heard the story? Shu and I went to an NCAA tournament there. I think you were there, Shoe. Maybe you weren't. But the whole old Cat Tracks crew went. And we asked where the closest sports bar was. And they said, we don't have any. I'm like, well, they said, well, there's one on campus, but it's a dance club at night. There's an Applebee's down the road. So we went to Applebee's. <laughs> And said, "Do you have the games on?" They're like, "No, we don't get that channel."
0: This was, <laughs> was what, like ESPN or something. This was like
1: 02-03 era. No, it was it was CBS. We ended up getting <laughs> like this pizza the size of a dining room table, which was pretty good, and watching it in the hotel room. Um, but yeah, that's my that that's my impression of Albuquerque. Uh, that uh, you know, I spent a summer there when my dad was working there. But yeah, less than impressed. Maybe it's very nice now, but. I wasn't impressed then when I couldn't find a place that had CBS to watch basketball games (laughs) during the NCAA tournament.
0: All right. Before we sign off, Robbie makes a very great point here. Brad, we only care that you're there. We don't care. Laundry room, schmondry room. Uh, These
1: are the Brad Alice studio with with,
0: when I'm not in my closet. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't have the coolest corner like shoe before. All right. Before the NCAA tournament, does Arizona lose another game? Yay. Or nay?
2: Yes. Yes. At USC. At USC? What what do you say, William? And and possibly in the uh, Pac-12 tourney as well.
0: Okay, what do you say, William? Are you going with Shue and you think that they lose out, essentially?
2: No, I think they they might.
1: I could see them dropping one in the Pac-12 tournament, and I could see them not being upset about not playing three and three. (laughs) <laughs> a week after playing three and five, uh, two weeks removed from playing three and five, three weeks removed. From, uh, I could see them not. And, and I know it would suck for those of you making the trip, but I could see them losing to the semifinals and not really caring that they're not. You know playing. And it I'm, also won't
2: matter because I think they will be a number one in the South.
0: I am, Here's what I'm going to here's what I'm doing here, guys. I'm going to be the voice of reason. I'm going to back the A to the fullest.
2: and I'm going to say that they will that they went out. I think
0: Arizona's looking at two losses going into the NCAA tournament. I saw it. Boom. You did, All right. We're going to be a number
1: one seed in the South. Correct. I actually see Colorado may being the, the weirder game. It is. I kind can see of, that. Mm-hmm. It, you've got the elevation. You've got weird things happening in, in Boulder. You've kind of, is it a trap game because you do have USC two games away? Um, I think, yeah, I, I think honestly, yeah, if they beat, colorado i think they probably just steamroll into uh la and usc especially now that usc kind of got the win tonight they may have felt they needed but uh we'll see but yeah i think i again if, if i'm picking a loss i'm gonna pick some weird semifinal loss in in vegas um at like 9 30 at night and 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 tommy lloyd doesn't care because they get an extra day of rest and prep
0: by the way, real quick, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here before we sign off. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. Arizona doesn't doesn't lose the rest of the season. All right, for John Schuster, William Brad Alice, William, we love having you on. You need to come on, open invite. Shoe as always, you uh, you've been a uh, you've been a beacon of light in an uncertain time for me.
2: Well, that's because there's a lot of light bouncing off my head. I apologize for that.
0: Well, but you know what? Either way, the beacon sounds strong. For uh, Brad Alice, John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. Thanks so much, everybody. Really appreciate you. We'll be back with you. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.